listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 79, covering The Survivors and Who Watches the Watchers with Mark Bosco. Hello, friends. We're back with the Post-Atomic Horror-type radio show program. That's what we're calling it now. I that's what I tend to call it sometimes. Post atomic radio production number featuring people that you may remember from a thing that you heard before. Yeah, including this week our pal Bob. He's here with us to talk about Star Trek. Hello. How's Hi. how's your Bob? <laughs> it's it's fine. Good. Very, Good. very supple. <laughs> okay. Good All enough. right. This week, we're still not quite into the, oh my god, season three is great bit yet. There's some of that here, but I still feel like everything I've promised isn't happening yet. And yeah. You're all just waiting to see what the hell I've been going on about. It's, it's coming. We made a liar of that. Trust yeah. me, it's coming. There's going to be about eight or ten episodes in a row where you're just like, Jesus, this is a great show. I never should have doubted you. But we're not there. I mean, well, like I say, one of them is quite good. Mm. The other one is called The Survivors, and that's for you, Matt. So why don't you tell us about that? All right, fine. The Enterprise is visiting the planet of Rochelle, which has been requesting assistance in defending itself from some evil aliens. Unfortunately, what with one thing and another, and being just really busy picking up Beverly and stuff, the Enterprise only just got around to it, and, uh, whoops, looks like everybody's dead, Dave. Even Rima. Anyway, some scanning of the planet reveals a small house, and amidst complete and utter destruction, so Picard sends down an away team to check the place out. After Nails gets his bitch ass caught in a bear trap, the crew meet the elderly couple of Kevin and Rashawn, the planet's only survivors. The away team sticks around to enjoy some tea, and then leave the mysterious couple to, I don't know, look at birds and dig in the garden. Whatever old people do. On returning to the Enterprise, Troy is driven crazy by an endlessly repeating song that just won't leave her head. I can't think of a suitably topical, irritating song to make a joke about here, but I invite you to think of your own, write it down on a piece of paper, and then throw it in the garbage. The Enterprise is attacked by some by some alien spaceship, but they chase it off, and Picard beams down to the planet to urge the old people to leave. Kevin demands Picard get off his land. Picard returns to the Enterprise, which is then again attacked by aliens. This happens roughly 80 or 90 more times until Picard allows the alien ship to blow up the old people's house and their entire attic full of knickknacks, old encyclopedias that they haven't thrown away, and pictures of other people's grandkids. Picard springs into action, using all of his years of training to wait until Kevin and Rashawn come back to life, which they do. So then he beams them down, so then he beams them to the Enterprise. Turns out Kevin was actually a magic godman whose wife was killed by aliens along with everyone else on the planet. So he killed every single person from the evading race, all 50 billion of them, and then turned his wife into a ghost so that they could hang out. He feels really bad about it, so he goes back to his planet, but not before removing the song from Deanna's head, replacing it with the girl from Ipanina. Hey, I did think of one. <laughs> this episode had one of your favorite things, Matt, which is old people. It did. Old people enjoying themselves. You uh, hate that. You just, I do. You absolutely hate that, and I don't know why. Because I'm horrible. All right. Fair enough. Huh. This felt... It didn't really feel like a next-gen episode to me. It felt sort of like, I don't know, a bit Doctor Who-y, a bit old-school Star Trek. Yeah, there was a little of both of those in there. I don't know. Yeah. Just the sort of inexact, not exactly scientific sort of... Yeah. He's a ghost. He's a god or something. I don't know. Can they get along? <laughs> uh, so you got a good thing, bad thing for us? Yeah, okay. My good thing here is I love uh, 
Picard's reaction to the death of the old people. Like, he knows, ex- he's figured out exactly what's going on. He doesn't tell anyone about it. He just sort of sits back and lets this mysterious alien ship vaporize these people. And, like, I, I, it's, it's very quirky, which I respect. Yeah, no, it's, he's definitely, and uh, I'm going to spoil my good thing that's actually was mine as well. He's very much a badass, and so once he's figured it out, mm. he's, oh, I've had enough of this shit. Do you guys just follow my lead. <laughs> Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> that's your bad thing. Uh, I feel like, no, like I, I came into this one knowing the ending of, of it. Mm. Like, I knew that Kevin was the neat. Was, Kevin, was the god, god being yeah, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> was a god man, uh-huh. a and I nemesis. feel like that really sort of like took away from any dramatic potential the episode had, which is you know on me. I, like I imagine if I didn't know Kevin was magical, all this would have been a lot more interesting. But I just kept waiting for the episode to get a move on. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was kind of a jip, personally. Like, uh, and then it was a god being because it's always mm-hmm. a god being in Star Trek. But that's like, just me. Like, if I had just been coming into this, like without any prior knowledge and just, oh, what's happening? Why do these aliens keep attacking them? No, then you'd just be bitching about the old people still. Yeah, probably. All right, Bob, what about you? Um, I think, I don't know. The good thing was it's, it wasn't quite as bad as I remembered it being. Oh, so you, you'd seen <laughs> it and it stuck with you as well. Yeah, uh, but the, uh, I don't know, the, the there was some very good uh, speechifying at the end with the, uh, you know, the truth about, what what he was and what he'd done and you know, how he'd like he'd killed the entire race and not just the people that were attacking him mm. and, and uh, kind of mulling that over the uh, moral implications of that. Mm-hmm. Although Picard did come at the end and, and was like, "Well, I don't know if we can judge him, <laughs> even really? though he killed a, an entire race of billions yeah. of people." We don't have any laws we can judge him in the Federation, really. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty clear on that. It's right there in big bold letters. Don't kill an entire race. I'm pretty sure that's the secondary directive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my son was watching it with me, and he pointed that out. <laughs> in fairness, your son is what 15 now. This is true, and and not a dummy He's... by any means. No, no. so you know. <laughs> but I, I it's not like your four year old son like pointed that was the one thing he had some a problem with. Yeah, uh, and your bad thing. Um, the really cheesy-looking CGI enemy ships. Well, yeah, we're talking season three is 1989-90, so very, very early on in in the computer-generated image era. And it's yeah. very obvious here. They also uh, don't as you have pointed a out, movie budget. Yeah, no. as you pointed out, it looked a lot like the, uh, the ships in uh, Babylon 5. Right. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, personally, I didn't like, but I do, at least uh, at least on that show, it was consistent. Like, ev- all the elements looked the same, and you kind of get used to it. Whereas here, you got the really li- nice models next to the bad CG, and yeah, I think that makes it stand out, stand out way more. Like, it's, yeah. at least with Babylon 5, it's like, okay, this is how the universe looks. Right. And like I say, I ship next to that shitty ship. I, I personally could never get into that, but I do think it was sort of cutting edge at the time, especially for for a TV budget. But yeah, on this show, everything else is shot. You know, well, I mean, as we'll yeah. see when the when the Blu-rays come out, it was shot on film and it looks pretty good. And yeah. then this. <laughs> and, and at least I'm at least I'm assuming it's CGI. I I can't actually find a reference to them being CGI specifically, no. but it, they look it, it to my it eye. Definitely looks CGI though. Yeah, and the, and the you know low polygon count, like mm-hmm. yeah, very few shapes in the thing, and it just it looks like either that a little, or they, a little too shiny. Yeah, 
Exactly. Look out, it's the incredibly shiny box ships. <laughs> Maybe that's just evidence of its alien technology. Mm. I, I don't know. You mean the Borg? No, that's the incredibly dirty box ships. <laughs> uh, I already tipped my good thing, which is that, yeah, Picard is a bit of a badass here, and I like that. He's I, pretty fucking badass in both episodes yeah, this week. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I think also that the guy who played, <laughs> who played the great nemesis, Kevin, mm-hmm. who will go down Kevin. in history, the Borg, Q, Kevin. I think um, there's a reason they came back to this character in like two of the next gen movies. Obviously, Picard shouts to this guy, Kevin. <laughs> I, I no, I really think the actor was good. Like he played a nice sort of you know, like grizzled old man who obviously had some weird stuff happen in his past that he'd rather not talk about, and mm. he was about. Yeah, Bob, you pointed can, out that you, you can kind of get the impression that uh, maybe he played a lot of uh, you know grizzled old. Prospector. Yeah, you, you uh, pointed out that you thought he'd probably been in a lot of westerns. Like, we don't know that. We didn't look it up, but it just no. seems like he did. <laughs> he has that quality about him. He, he He's not putting on a fakey accent, but he just has kind of a tinge of a twang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels like he's, he's you know, that kind of guy, and he squints a lot, and he just... Oh. Yeah, a lot like the uh, the narrator in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. got a bit of a Sam Elliott quality to him. Yeah. Well, uh, Which is nice. Sometimes the god being... Sometimes you bite the god being, sometimes the god being bites you. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? You gotta swear so much, Riker. <laughs> you gotta swear so much, Nails. So, and, and my bad thing was uh, Troy the victim once again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. I get... She's got a song stuck in her head. and No, no, I, I really do get... There's something in your mind that's sort of driving you insane, and I get that she's just slowly being driven mad, but I don't know. It, Marina Sirtis goes right to the sort of weepy, oh my god, I'm being assaulted, and it just it felt sort of disproportionate to what was going on, and it also just felt like, I don't know, I always feel like Troy is, uh, I don't know. She's always being I, assaulted in some way or another, and yeah. I hate that. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I think... I don't know if I if I had that music playing in my head for hours and hours and hours, super loud on on end. You know, I I think I might react that way eventually. You know, kind of crying know. and weeping. But <laughs> I had a week where I had the opening theme from Sweeney Todd stuck in my head, and I did all right. I certainly didn't take any sick days. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, also it didn't help that the song stuck in her head sounded exactly like an ice cream truck. That's true. The entire episode, I and, you know, it was one of those diminishing returns thing. The first time I said it, you guys, like, roared with laughter. And about the tenth time I said it, you guys are like, oh, you're still going Yeah, we that, get huh? it. She wants a dilly bar. <laughs> but <laughs> she was being rhyme-raped by the music box. <laughs> she really just wants a creamsicle and it'll all end. But, uh, yeah. Now, it's, At least it wasn't turkey in the straw. That's, oh, God. Jesus. You know, those Mario uh, icicles are never as good as they look. No, this summer they're Avenger Pops. It's like the Hulk. And, oh, God, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no, pain. Now I'm, now I'm having flashbacks to Southern Maryland. That's not good. <laughs> Ice cream truck would just circle the block endlessly in my old neighborhood. Just, just circle your house. Yep. yep. <laughs> it was like a combination of this episode and, like, the time loop episode. It just would not ah! And I never cried. Come out to play. <laughs> I never, I never cried. So you know, no, I don't know. It's, it's really not even that her reaction. Like I, I feel like her reaction might have been disproportionate. But putting that aside, it's just once again we see Marina Sirtis looking sad and vulnerable and attacked. And it's just yeah, like, and yeah. she's really pretty, and I'm not okay with that. Yeah, 
This is also the first episode we see her new blue dress. Her sundress thing? Which is, it's fine. It's still, once again, we're reminded. The one with the uh, lopsided neckline? Oh, does it have a lopsided neckline? Yeah. I missed I'm sorry, it. the neckline wasn't what I was staring at. <laughs> no, it's nice because it's not exactly sexy. Like, you get a tiny bit of cleavage and it's, mm-hmm. it, it sort of form fits her nice, but it's really not a, like a... A sexy thing. It's just it's 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 almost the reverse of uh, what everyone like what all the women wore in classic Trek. Yeah, because it it comes like down to her ankles. Like it's yeah. it's a dress. It's a proper flowy mm-hmm. sort of dress. It's just because she's got such a nice body, everything looks hot on her. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just how it goes. But no, it's it just once again you're reminded that why isn't she in a uniform? Yeah, it just it, yeah. it's another it one of those things. Lounge around on the bridge. It makes you think of her as just less than the rest of them, and I don't like that. I, I wonder what the reasoning was behind that in the first place. Is it like try to make her more personable and easier to talk to as a counselor? Or? I think Maybe? I think that's what it is. I think my understanding is early on in the series they didn't really see her as part of the crew properly. Mm. Like the counselor isn't a senior bridge officer. She doesn't do the same stuff as those guys do. She's not exactly a civilian, but she's really not part of the main crew. Yeah, like she was maybe not supposed to be in Starfleet initially. Right. I don't know. I that that's my hmm. that's my impression. I could be wrong. Though. Starfleet medical or some damn thing. Yeah. But eventually, I mean, it takes until season. I think it's season six when when that other captain shows up. Put a damn uniform on. What's wrong with you? Yep. Yeah. Although, uh, just as an aside, back to uh, mm-hmm. the music in her head, I thought it was really cool, the uh, kind of the audio editing that they did with her and, like, kind of hearing from her perspective. And it was like, you know, everybody else was kind of underwater and the music was really loud. And no, they that did, was kind of neat. They did some nice creepy effects with that. I didn't like that effect uh, a few weeks ago. Actually, last week when we did the one with um, uh, uh, Dr. Kelso and hearing the baseball game in his head, I thought that took mm. me out of the episode because this show never does inside your head perspective but for some reason with the Anna it works yeah like it didn't bother me here sort of the break from form well it's, I guess it's like when uh, when she and her mother talk to each other in their heads and you get the kind of the echoey voice it's like yeah one way of signifying something yeah that makes that makes total sense brain, little one <laughs> mother <laughs> please stop yeah no I I agree I, I it's just because she's the telepath or pseudo telepath whatever mm. it makes it makes it a little easier and and later in the episode, I just wanted to point out that uh, the device that uh, Dr. Crusher was using to uh, apparently scan for music in Troy's head <laughs> <laughs> kind of looked like a car Your stereo with LEDs stuck on the front of it. <laughs> it's a converted boner detector. Right. <laughs> I just put a stethoscope up to her ear. Do you hear music in there? Uh, what else? I mean, this was, there's not a lot going on here. It's a very this straightforward episode. This was a really episode. slow episode, and it was very repetitive. A bit repetitive. I like the uh, the guy, uh, Kevin, his uh, his mustard shirt with the, like, sideways clasps on <laughs> it. Oh, was his kind of Rocketeer shirt? Yeah. That's why. It, it kind of looks like, you know, like the where it buttons up the side, like the old doctor, dentist, uh-huh. or chef or something, you know? It's, it, it looked, uh, you know, like a uniform without being uh- uniformy. That design always just feels like a really dramatic way to reveal your chest to strangers, you know? <laughs> just grab it and yank it open and behold! I always like the way they look, like, aesthetically. I just can't really picture how it looks works on a practical level. Mm. Like, how you take mm. that shirt off. And I didn't really want to see this guy undress. But, uh... Mm. Plus, there'd be pants in the way because his pants were up to about his nipples. Well, yes. Being he is as, an old man. Yeah, being as he was an old man. And that's how they indicated that. Not by him actually just being old and wrinkled and gray. No. But, 
by having his pants very high. They had to have his <laughs> pants high, and he had to be very angry about things. I feel like we're, we're covering the same ground as that Fashion It's So blog. Not that I mind, but uh, I feel like we're probably making some of the same jokes they already have. Mm. That's okay, they haven't gotten to this one yet. Oh, well, they're not really going in order, either. No, that's true. They just did Fistful of Datas. I'm like, I can't read this yet, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> uh, I can't remember that episodes I haven't seen yet exist. <laughs> well, I'm really trying my best to, you know, to watch these in order and judge them on their own merits. And we, I know mm-hmm. we often compare things to what happens later, and we, you know, but I'm trying hard not to do that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, really, even though we haven't had a great episode yet, we will. The next one, is, I think, is actually quite good. But so far, we haven't had a great one. Season 3 is still just production value-wise. Right. So much better than Season 2, and I'm glad we're taking oh, it. Yeah. You know, just the uniforms are better, and they, they have a couple of house directors now, and the look of it is better, and everything's just mm-hmm. a little bit nicer. Although we do notice uh, some of the enlisted men were wearing the old season one and two type uniform. Yeah, oh, yeah, true. with the weird thing across the top. Well, our, our pal so um, Ensign Sadsack checked in recently, and apparently he's still got the old uniform. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's always the last to know, that guy, apparently. <laughs> so me in the entirety of high school. Yes. Wait, Wait fa- does everyone have these collars now? Damn it. Nobody told me we were wearing different shoes. Damn it. <laughs> do, do you people just not send me the memo? <laughs> I work here. <laughs> this episode had the first uh, occurrence that I can think of of Worf smiling. That was cool. Oh, yeah. I like the way he took. I like the shine he took to uh, Kevin. Yeah, he uh, Kevin <laughs> bluffs them with a not working phaser, and Worf calls him out on it later. It's, you were pointing. Yeah, the phaser's not working. Yeah. Uh, you, you noticed that, that, did you? That yes. had quite a lot of gall. I, I like my gall. gall. Yeah, I like. I, uh, there's a lot of episodes where they don't give Worf much to do, but he's one of those characters like Chief O'Brien, like like Jordy, mm-hmm. where if he's got a handful of lines, they can really make him count. Yes, yeah. and that that was definitely the case here. That uh, that comes into my quote. Oh well, do you want to do you want to go? I mean, do we have any further business, or do you want to go ahead and go into that? I think we can roll right into that. Bob, do you have any other points you wanted to no, cover? No, please. All right, Matt, so, you got. Here it is: Worf bonding with old people at their house. Well, what do you think, Mister Worf? Good tea. Nice house. Yeah, I feel like that one was less out of respect and more out of begrudging. Uh, I'm still here. I'm on this shit detail. Uh, better be <laughs> polite. Well, I genuinely do. believe that he enjoyed both the tea and the house. Oh, very well. <laughs> this is uh, this is also a riff that they will pull many many times in the future with Worf, and it's usually pretty damn funny. Mm. <laughs> like I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of I'm not a merry man. I thought that was a bit too on the nose, but. Uh, Mm. There's the bit in DS9 where he first meets uh, Dax and Kira, and they're... What is it? They're, they're, Spoilers! Yeah, okay. <laughs> they're holodecking as... Uh, I don't remember, but they're wearing, like, uh, medieval-y princess outfits, and he just looks at Dax and says, nice hat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same kind of muted, like... It seems like they figured out how to use Worf as a comedic character, which is nice. He's not always the glowering, angry, let's kill him guy. He can be funny sometimes, too. And the way to do that was to make him looking, was to make him be the guy who looks at all the stuff they forgot to write dialogue for. (laughs) Yeah, just like Guybrush in Monkey Island 2. Nice house. (laughs) Nice pirate hat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to an episode that I refuse to give to Matt because he would just make Watchmen jokes the whole time. Rorschach, 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 Rorschach. Who watches The Watchers? Bob, why don't you tell us about that? I will. All right. 
On Mintaka 3, scientists spying on some proto-Vulcans in Renfest gear have a reactor accident, revealing their duck blind to Leland Palmer. I, I mean, uh, Liko and his daughter, OG. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt's uh, cursor was just over where I was trying to read. <laughs> Liko gets closer to take a look at the banks and banks of humming machinery, but something shocks him and he falls down, down, down the side of the mountain until nearly dead. Dr. Crusher spirits him away upstairs to the Enterprise, <laughs> all of this within sights of OG. Picard wanders... <laughs> Matt, <laughs> what are you doing? You know what? I'll just move it away. <laughs> Get your cursor off, Matt. <laughs> Picard wanders into sickbay to talk to the scientists who were injured and is aghast that Beverly has brought this primitive up. Oh, shit. I d didn't finish writing that sentence. <laughs> Nicely done, Bob. <laughs> and is aghast that Beverly has brought this primitive up there. Prime directive, he shouts. Screw you. I'm a doctor, she parries. Well, okay then. Liko wakes up out of his roofied stupor just long enough to see the Picard giving orders to everyone. Hope that doesn't give him any ideas. Beverly wipes Liko's brain with Dr. Pulaski's foolproof mind-wiping technique and beams him back. Meanwhile, on the planet, Jordy has gotten the hologram restored to the duck blind, and also Jem. <laughs> Liko and OG are reunited, and Liko starts telling tales of the wonders he saw on the ship, and the ancient god, the Overseer, also known as the Picard. Oops, I guess the mind wipe didn't take. Riker and Troy cosplay as Mintakins and beam down to spread anti-the Picard propaganda, and hopefully retrieve the one scientist that wandered away from the wreckage before he can prove that there are others... But too late. Riker gets the scientist out, but not before Troy can become a hostage. While Liko spreads stories of the Picard and threatens to send their philosophy back a thousand years, Picard tries to figure out how he can dissuade them of the notion that he's a god and introduce them to the concept of Clark's third law. Turns out transporting their leader to a gigantic, impressive spaceship didn't do the trick, so he resorts to getting shot with an arrow instead. And the day is saved. Picard gets fixed up, everyone goes back to their rational Mintakan beliefs, and the scientists go back to their duck blind that everyone now knows about, I think. <laughs> A couple of points of clarification. I actually don't know Clark's third law. I feel like I should. What, what is that? Uh, that is, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Ah, I do know that. I just didn't know it as that. Very nice. Yes. And the other thing is just a, a point of delivery. It sounded like you said, meanwhile, on the planet Geordi. <laughs> <laughs> I did see the comma and I did hear it, but my ears picked up on the planet Jordy and I just. Uh... Meanwhile, on planet Jordy, there actually wasn't much Jordy in these two episodes, which is too bad. But no, yeah. but this no Wesley and... either. But we didn't care. Nah, about that's that. fine. No Wesley at all in this, this in this one. This is one of like we had a couple. Of, well, we had a few in season two, but this is one of the first really great episodes I think of Next Gen. It really covers some really, like, good issues that mm. the original series talked about but never really dealt with. Like, yeah. we have a Prime Directive, but eh, yeah, we, it's, uh, that's what's something that happens to other people. Yeah, it's really not <laughs> Kirk's problem. No. He's super busy. It's nice that this show sort of gets into the moral complexities of what that actually means. Mm -hmm. uh, so that said, mm -hmm. Bob, what do you got for good thing, bad thing? 
Uh, good thing, really, this is the best. I really enjoy this episode. Uh, Troy and Crusher are useful. There's no Wesley. Uh, there's great writing that argues against superstition and religion. That's uh, really overall very enjoyable. I was really surprised at the very staunchly anti-religion stance that this took. I mean, I get yes. that we're supposed to be an enlightened future and they probably don't believe in God anymore or whatever, but they usually just sort of hint at that. But this show just came out yep. and said, you guys believe in God? That's crazy. Stop that. Yeah, fucking knock yeah. it off. And on TV yep. in 89 or 90, whenever this was, to, to say that, a little bit controversial, I think. Yeah, you were really not yeah. allowed to do that. I don't know. And they, and they do soften on it later, but I think here it was, it's the, the most they ever rail against it. Yeah, where they totally just say, you guys moved out of the Dark Ages and out of superstition, and, and this is just going to put you right back there. Like, this is bad. So for a civilization to advance, you have to not do that. Mm. Right. That's, that's a pretty bold stance to take, I think. Stop I, asking an invisible guy to give you things. Fucking in, work for it. In fairness, Laura Palmer's dad did see Picard. Like, he actually, you yes. know, we're not five generations removed from it. He he directly saw Picard, so. Yeah, well, in fairness, who wants to, who listens to Laura Palmer's dad about anything? <laughs> that true. guy is clearly <laughs> unstable. Dancing with pictures. Yep. Seeing Bob behind the table. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers? Won't someone please oh. dance with me? Oh, I don't think you can spoil <laughs> Twin Peaks, because we've all seen it, and we don't know what the fuck happened anyway. No. So, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing was that uh, the wrap-up at the end, after Picard gets uh, the arrow to the chest, <laughs> was a little abrupt. With... It was like everyone suddenly changed all their minds, and, uh, mm. oh, oh, he bleeds. Well, then, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen that a lot <laughs> recently. I would have loved to have seen them gone like, wait, if he bleeds, we can kill him. We can take his shit. <laughs> we can kill God. Now they turn exactly. into Klingons. <laughs> Now, um, this has happened a few times, and I don't know if it's if it's a fault in the right, like the writing process, or if it's just the way they wrote for the show. But we, this is not the first time we've seen a decent show play out that suddenly gets rushed in the last act, where and everything's fine at the end. Yeah, and endings are hard. <laughs> it just it feels like you should you should have a bit of a coda. You should have a bit of a now. What do we do? Not just mm. captain's log. Everything's fine. The end. Goodbye. <laughs> a stinger. Yeah, yeah. something. Anything. Yep. I think, I mean, if they had pulled something out of the, you know, the first, maybe like Act 2 or 3 and then added it that time back into Act 5, it would have made a lot of, uh, yeah. made a lot of more sense. We could have, like, philosophized a little bit more because get more of a uh, indignant Picard because, you know, <laughs> indignant speechifying Picard is the best Picard. Oh, absolutely. Really of all the Picards, the Picard. that's my favorite. Uh, Matt, what about you? Of all the Picards I've ever encountered. <laughs> Matt, honey, wake up. It's time for your good thing, bad thing. Oh. Uh, okay, so the plot of this one's pretty fascinating. I love uh, watching the crew, and especially Picard, dealing with all these insane problems that just keep getting worse. <laughs> There's a bit of... I mean, it's very serious, and it's played very serious in a good way, but mm. it, it feels structurally, it feels almost like a farce. Yeah, like, there's this constantly escalate, oh, well, great, now they've seen us do this. Well, great, I've stepped mm -hmm. in this, and now in moving my foot to get out of that, <laughs> I've caught my other foot in something else. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Picard facepalming. Yeah, oh, god, yeah. Yep. I, I feel like most of the, uh, most of the gifts that people use around the internet to put funny captions on of Picard facepalming must have come from this one. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've got a lot to <laughs> choose from, long shots, close-ups. <laughs> I really like how embarrassing this whole episode is for him too. Well, it's it's a great contrast to Picard or to Kirk because it's like Kirk would have just you know 
Oh well, they think I'm God. Good. Now I can tell yeah, them what no, to do. Yeah, no, there's a there's a whole yeah. like comic thing about that. Yeah, there's uh, it's um, the Modala imperative, which is yes. t- it's a two part thing. Is first part was Kirk, and the second part was Picard. But the second part, um, Bones and Spock show up, like because they're established as being alive in next gen time, and they talk, and they're like, yeah, if that happened to Jim, he wouldn't have handled it this way. And <laughs> it, you're absolutely right, he wouldn't have. And as Star Trek fans, it's interesting to see. Like, in the last season and a half, they've really gone out of their way to show us mm-hmm. how different Picard is and how he's unique and how, in some ways, it works better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because there's some really badass moments, like like you said, Matt, in both of these episodes where he was sort of Kirkish. Mm-hmm. And we've we've done enough now to build up Picard as his own guy that he can do that. Whereas like, if they'd done that in season one, it would have been like, they're just doing the same thing Kirk did. But now, yeah. you know what I mean? Now it feels like, yeah, okay. Like... I love Picard taking taking that arrow, you mm-hmm. know, not just because, like, we talked about how it probably wouldn't have been a big deal for him to get hit with an well, arrow. Well, you pointed out the technology. robot heart, which I didn't even think about. Yeah, but I mean, like, the, the way their technology works, they could pre- pretty much, no matter, unless he gets hit in the eye or something. Right. He, they're probably fine. But I love the idea of a Picard who's just like, yes, I will die so this planet can get back on track. Oh, yeah, this is getting worse yeah. and worse. And if this is the only way to handle it, then you know what? Fine. Yeah. I, that, is, that is fucking hardcore. And that's that shows how dedicated Picard is to the principles of, uh, you know, like, yeah. it, in a way, it is Kirkish, but in a way, it's completely not Kirkish because mm. he's doing this to reestablish the natural, like, to... To get things back to normal and to to put things right as far as the prime directive goes, whereas Kirk would just shrug it off and leave. Yeah, Picard right. would die to fix it. And and that's in stark contrast too, even to the the scientists who were down there uh, watching them. Yeah, just let it that, go. Like, it's fine. Yeah, one one of them suggests, "Well, we've already screwed it up enough. Why don't you just go down there and give them some commandments? And yeah, maybe a golden calf or two." <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no golden calves. Why don't you tell them that Riker is your son? That'll work out. <laughs> oh, God. Troy's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my good thing, I love this episode. It is very quintessentially Star Trek. Just to the core, you really get a chance to, to hash out some of these great, like, Prime Directive-y things. And talk, like mm-hmm. like I say, you've all, we've heard what the Prime Directive is. We know. We've said it over and over again. But this is the first episode I can think of where you really talk about what that means and show how it would actually impact a, a society. And I love it. It's done really. Mm-hmm. This is what Next Gen does really well. You take a moral argument and you sort of turn it around and see the different sides of it, and you see, ooh, this, yeah, this is a wow. I feel bad for this guy. He's in a yeah. mess here. Uh, and but in particular, the whole, I guess, fourth act, right? Like before everything gets resolved, there's a mm-hmm. good ten minute chunk where it's just Picard trying to explain to this chick, yeah, we're not gods. This isn't magic. It's just you know, like you said, like Clark's third law. It's it's. <laughs> It looks like magic to you because you haven't gotten here yet, but think about someone who didn't know how to make cloth or build a mm-hmm. hut that you would seem like magic to them. And he does it so well. It's, yeah. re- it's a really Love awesomely that. executed scene. I mean, it's it's yeah. good acting on Patrick Stewart's part, as always, yes. but it's also really good writing because it's gradual. It's He mm-hmm. doesn't just get to the core of his argument immediately. He very gradually leads her by the hand until she gets it. And he, she doesn't completely get it, which is also nice. Yes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of gray area there, but it's I don't know I just I really like it's it's weird because I didn't say this a lot in the original series, but in this show I kind of like the talky scenes more than the action scenes. Yeah, the show just did arguments and debates and speeches really well, mm-hmm. especially when they're in Picard's mouth. I I like hearing that guy give speeches. Yep. Um, 
And my bad thing, like you bought, like you pointed out in your uh, summary, Bob. Yeah. So they're just gonna stay there. That now they yeah, now they, they know that yeah. the duck blind is there. And okay, it's fine. We'll be watching, but just pretend we're not here. It's fine. They don't make it really clear. Yeah. You change but... the results by looking at them. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> quantum proto vulcans. The the other thing at the end that I like had a kind of a weird problem with it was I I guess that's why I wanted more time for it to be resolved was that like when he comes back like with his arm in a sling after his mm-hmm. he's been repaired from the arrow it's like wouldn't that incite even more fervor in Leland Palmer to, to like <laughs> like oh my he, I just shot him and now he's healed and he you know. <laughs> Would the, would that make things worse or better? Or I just a little more explore, exploration of that. Right. Was, I really feel like they need to cut the losses on uh, Leland Palmer. There's no way to convince this guy. <laughs> See, and I like I. The more I think about this, like I said, I compared it a minute ago to a farce. It feels a bit like the second half of Life of Brian, where at first they misinterpret something he says, and gradually more and more people oh. think he's a god, and that's played for laughs. Here, it's serious. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's a great way to play out the way religion works in a short period of time. Yes. Well, Picard yeah. is a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, that came up a bit. I we forgot to do my bad thing. Oh, so you did. Sorry. No, um, I forgot to ask you for was, your bad thing. I, my overwhelming, this this one, again, might be on me, but my overwhelming feeling on this one was that like I really feel like everyone's overreacting on the whole Picard religion thing. There's just there's not enough people on this planet to, that know about this to, to 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 make it a world changing religion. See, I don't know the whole. I mean, I don't want to so, get into insulting people's religions or anything, but didn't wait. the whole Jesus thing just start with a handful of people? I mean, I guess I don't know. Like, and you also mentioned that they probably just didn't have the budget for like. Yeah, you can't show how ten thousand people are affected by this. You got it's a yeah. TV show with limited money. You've yeah. got like ten. Yeah, I mean, if you go, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you go to like Nazareth or you know Jerusalem, that's there's still quite a lot of people there. You know, a mm-hmm. couple thousand years ago, whereas here it was just a tiny. Well, village, I think that's so. just the, the the fault of not having you know, like you never I go mean, to a planet with more than ten people. That's just yeah, the budget. Well, yeah. You just you just hit it with a photon for t- torpedo from orbit. And... Yep, <laughs> only <laughs> way to be sure. Kind of frowns on that too, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I don't no, know. Like, I, I just I feel like a lot of religions started that way, where it was just one guy, and then it was a few believers, and then it gradually spread, and it gets more distorted, and you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's I mean, like we start a, with like that game of like, telephone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> yep. No, we start with we start with two guys, one of whom is clearly unstable. Yeah. The other who, of whom is his daughter. Right. Who's actually and very like, reasonable. Yeah. And not and a guy. Like yeah. okay, we can we have these two people. We can probably hush this up. I don't know. I feel like I, it's it's like the whole butterfly thing. It's like you know, the the, the Picard flaps his wings, and before you know it, <laughs> like there's a monsoon of religion. No, this one really got away from me. No, but it it, it kind of shows how one small action can have big effects. And maybe if they'd had a exposition scene where they talk about this happened once before, and it led to this, and it led to like if they could maybe play mm. out the practical why this is a bad idea. Yeah, you might have been more might... sold on that. My yeah. my initial thought on this is just basically, well, it's not so much religion as it is alien abduction. Yeah, but these are primitive people. They don't they they don't have the concept of aliens. That's true. Like until like we didn't start talking okay. about alien invasions here until the forties or fifties when we started flying, when we started doing satellites, when we started realizing what space was. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, alien abduction reports went way up because people 
we're now aware that space might have things in it. Right. But exactly. Until the people have the knowledge, that's not really a thing they would believe. All right. Right. And they were and they were able to listen in through Tori's communicator and hear that they were like starting to you know talk about the old beliefs and you know well maybe this is right and the Picard is actually the guy that you know people talked about thousands of years <laughs> those ago. Those books and... that we threw away. Maybe we should dig those out of the dumpster now. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and you know, I like I said, I was really surprised that they took that stance that Star Trek mm-hmm. just boldly said nope. You got to get religion out of your culture before you can go forward. Yep. Yep. Um, I I love that, and I love the big speeches, and I just I really enjoy this. I okay the the planet, you know, I know they don't have a lot of budget, but really they just they're on they're clearly like cosplaying Vulcans at a Ren fest. Yeah. They're just there's mm-hmm. nothing to them at all. It's very you know. <laughs> And also, if you squint, you can very clearly see Kirk fighting a Gorn in the back. Yeah, I, what was it, Bob? The Vasquez Rocks? Is Vasquez Rocks. Yeah, it looked like that's where they were again. Yep. yep. I don't know that this show's ever been there yet, but uh, the original series went there a lot, so. Yeah. And, and Lazarus initiative. Oh, God. Yeah, at least nobody had, like, shitty, you know, crepe hair uh, beards. Um, however... These guys are supposed to be proto-Vulcanoids. I guess they share, like, common ancestry with Vulcans. Uh, I can see why real Vulcans chose the bowl cut, which typically people look down on and say, oh, really? They're, that's terrible hair. Uh, better than Leland Palmer's mullet. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think the Vulcans made the right choice here. <laughs> kind of looks Le- like Khan. <laughs> yeah. Leland Palmer yeah, the old making dude. bad decisions. <laughs> well, Leland Palmer always makes bad decisions. Mm-hmm. No, Bob, you're right, though. There was, a, there was an old guy who, because of that hairstyle and because of the weird costume... He, and the white hair. Yes, he looked very much like Khan. Yes, a little bit off-putting. And then there was, there was that, also squatting guy. Yeah, there was that. There, <laughs> the, the shot was framed very strangely. The dude was leaning against the bottom of some stairs, and a dude was, was standing, sort of crouched above him on the on the uh, the rail of the stairs or whatever. So it looked like he was just squatting over his head in midair somehow. Yep, <laughs> taking a dump. This will help him. Yeah, I'm He's helping. Like a, I'm helping you. Well, that's what the ancient texts would say, that, you know, pooping on someone's head makes them feel better. But uh, they cast off those beliefs before, but now they're back. Thank goodness. Yeah. I don't think I like this primitive culture. (laughs) Uh, What else? Like I said, I'm I'm really glad that Matt didn't get a chance to make a million uh, Watchmen jokes here. I did write a few, actually. Well, let's hear them then, Matt. All right, dead triple in alleyway this morning. Quadro on burst stomach. Okay. All the Klingons and Romulans and Ferengi will look up and shout, save us. And I'll look down and whisper, make it so. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's it, though? Yes. Okay, good. I, I've got a quote. Oh, well. Are we, are we finished? So you do. Are we finished? Uh, <laughs> I Actually, I'm, I'm winging it this week. I don't have notes. So uh, I'm kind of trusting you guys that you're hitting all the points that you wanted to hit. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. Fair enough. All right. What do you got for a quote then, Bob? Uh, right. Uh, as uh, the the they're arguing, Picard and the, and the scientists are arguing on the ship. Um, and the the head scientist suggests that since they've already screwed up the Mintakans and irreparably set them back on the path to religion, with Picard as deity, Picard responds thusly: Doctor Baron, your report describes how rational these people are millennia ago. 
they abandoned their belief in the supernatural. Now, you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No! Thusly appears as a copyright of uh, Drunken Time Travel. <laughs> Indeed. Very nice. No, that yep. was that was a great speech. Like, I was waiting for something funny. We were watching the episode just now, and, and you're like, here comes my quote, and I'm listening. Like, where's the laugh? Oh, no, this is just a really good speech. Yeah. But that's certainly a valid quote as well, but... We so often go for the laugh line that I forget sometimes that we can pick, like, those really moving, like, you the, know. the drama. Yeah. Well, it's usually Picard. Yeah. Like, occasionally other guys will have them, but, but that's usually well, a Patrick Stewart moment. That dude's speech is like nobody's business. Yeah. yeah. I would be very curious to see, like, I don't know. I mean, I assume we're meant to believe that everything went well here, and that's th that's it, and everything's fixed, and the Mentakas <laughs> will be no trouble at all. But I, I'm very curious to see... If if a book came back to this and maybe it wasn't, maybe they were that would be really that would be a really cool direction to go with. Maybe there were factions that split, and maybe some of them thought that Leland Palmer was like uh, um, the devil or something because he shot God with an arrow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the, the, there's the whole like you could spin that into an ugly direction if you wanted, but this show didn't want to do cynical, so. I assume that we're meant to believe everything went great. Yeah, but now that Gene's dead, we can get back to it. <laughs> well, that's the important thing. If you cast off Gene, then uh, <laughs> then your development can move forward. Did that guy just tell us to cast off our genes? I think he did. Because I'm way ahead of him. <laughs> Put your pants back on. Oh, pants! Damn it! <laughs> Let's talk about the pants that Nails was wearing. Oh God, Nails's pants. <laughs> <laughs> so Riker and Troy are on the planet, and they're they're disguised. They're they're disguised as these Mentakins, and we're trying to figure. They look sort of Renfesty, sort of um, like I thought they were going to run up to the top of the mountain and blow the Ricola horn. But <laughs> Riker's wearing these sort of three quarter length short pants, like cargo pants. Yeah, but it's like short pants over long pants. Well, that's the and then boots. Over so there's a gap pants. of like two inches between the top of the boot and the bottom of the pants. And then yeah, you're saying that's not leg. Exposed there. That's an extra set of pants. Yes, it was flesh-colored pants just over his knee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because because Jonathan Frakes' real leg would have been covered in hair. It wouldn't have been flesh-colored. <laughs> well, yes. It would have been brown. <laughs> and then they would have known that they weren't Mendocans. <laughs> right. Well, yes, because they don't have hair. They don't have. They're, they're not naturally hairy on the whatever planet. Well, I mean, you know. Jonathan Frakes is barely human with that chest hair. <laughs> and I say that as a compliment. That's not a... I'm not looking down on him. No, no, you're not wrong. I've seen an episode where chest hair just reaches out and consumes a man whole. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's like the next level of evolution is what I'm saying. Mm. Like, we should all aspire to be Riker. <laughs> I'm actually doing pretty well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Listen, I'm getting closer I've, to that myself. I've had that, yeah. <laughs> I've had that Riker beard since 1992, so, uh, yeah, believe me, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, that is. Well, now that we've talked about how hairy we are. <laughs> oh, I suspect that'll come up again. It just seems like a topic that you know that would come up a lot on this show with us guys talking about how sexy Riker is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> All right. I'm I'm going as Riker for uh, E Triple C next year. Oh, fantastic! Then all the girls will swoon over you for a new reason. Woo! Apparently. Mark Bosco, the new hotness. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is all for this week. Uh, next week, a new voice on the show. One that, a new challenger approaches. <laughs> one that is a lady for a change. We, we don't have nearly enough lady voices on the show, but we're trying to fix that. Mm. Uh, our friend Kim will be joining us 
for I'm looking at the episodes of The Bonding and Booby Trap. Hooray! Booby. <laughs> so look forward to that. And Bob, thank you. Pleasure as always. We'll see you again next season. Indeed, it was your pleasure. <laughs> Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.